0: Listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: Blog Talk Radio Good morning and a happy Thanksgiving coming up tomorrow. It is also Bucket Week. We are talking about the monstrous game um, between IU and Purdue. Uh, it's Bucket Week. This one means a little bit more for IU. They have a bowl berth on the line. This is, you know, when you talked at the beginning of the season, this is where you want to be. This You want to be playing Purdue for a bowl berth. Now, it would have been nice to have six wins already, uh but you can't complain about this. Uh we're gonna have our co host TJ Inman is joining us uh from Indianapolis. Uh TJ, uh welcome back to the show and greetings from New York City.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's always great to be on. Um you know it's uh it's a very important week as as we'll talk about the you know the stakes as far as IU football goes don't get a whole lot higher uh than what we're playing for Saturday. It's it's not very often that Indiana's in a position to put themselves into a bowl game and uh it's not very often that Indiana is in a position to win the bucket for a third straight time. So um it's a it's a crucial, crucial game. I know that nationally this is gonna be a, a blip on the radar if even that. But um, for those of us that care about these two programs this is a, a really big week. Yeah, it,
1: it's a tremendous week. Um as you said, uh, IU going for a bowl game, Purdue looking to play uh spoiler. Uh so we'll see. They have not won. IU has not won three straight buckets since 1947 when uh went on a four-game uh win streak. And um you know, the last time they traveled up to Purdue for a bowl game uh for a bucket game with a bowl on the line was 2006. And that that game ended poorly. Uh, but they did come back the next year and get revenge on on the Boilermakers makers uh, to go uh, seven and five in 2007. Uh, TJ, I also want to point out that if there are IU fans who are thinking of going up to Purdue, uh, I'm looking at StubHub now. There are 435 tickets available, and they start at twenty dollars. So uh, it's a pretty cheap, uh, pretty cheap date, so to speak and uh, we'll, we'll see how many IU fan, uh, fans make the trip up there. I do believe that there will be uh, uh, plenty of IU fans out there, though it is not the, the cheapest game. The cheapest game is, surprisingly enough, Michigan State-Penn State at $16. Uh, but, TJ, uh, you put out huh. your primer uh, today. Yeah, that's weird, right? Yeah, that's very odd. The weather's supposed to be better than it is at Waf- uh, than West Lafayette, so. Uh, but to each their own. I I don't know what they're doing up in uh in East Lansing. But uh T J you put out your primer this morning. Uh some very good stuff. Um what makes you nervous about about Purdue, aside from going up there and and not having much luck?
0: Yeah, I mean I I think the thing that makes you most nervous is that there are very real stakes for this game. Um and it's just as an IU football fan, that's not something that you are used to dealing with. Um, You're, you're, you're in a position where, and I mean, you know, to be clear, what the, what the Indiana fans feel and what I, what I feel as an Indiana fan is, is irrelevant to, to the game itself. But, you know, you're in a position where the team you're cheering for is favored against the rival on the road. And that's, that's a strange position to be in. It's it's not one that uh that I'm used to by any means and um so that's what probably makes me most nervous is that, that we go into this game kind of expecting uh expecting an Indiana victory. Um, I do not expect it to be easy, I do not expect it to be a blowout, but I'd be lying if I if I sat here and, and you know, told our listeners that I expect anything other than IU to to win and get to a sixth victory. I've kind of expected six wins the entire season, Um, and this has played out somewhat like I thought it would. Uh, Some of the results have been uh, closer than expected or different than expected, but I I think ultimately this is not a shock to have any in this position, but it is a surprise to see without knowing anything other than just the history of this matchup, it's a big surprise to see IU as a as a touchdown favorite in Ross Stadium. Um so that's probably what makes me most nervous. But the on field, uh you know, Purdue the the most noteworthy thing is that Purdue is going to be starting Austin Appleby at quarterback, uh, David Blau um, took a very, very hard hit from uh, an Iowa defender last week. He left the game. Aston Appleby came in and actually played uh, played quite well. Um, he was 23 of 40, 259 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I, I do not think that... Uh, I don't think that it makes a huge difference in terms of the outlook for this game. Um, I was kind of surprised that Purdue switched to David Blau as quickly as they did. Appleby was the starter at the beginning of the season. Uh, for those that uh, do not follow Purdue real closely, I don't blame you. And uh, here I've got uh, I've got his stats. And we won't we won't go through these and bore anybody with numbers. But he'll you know, gets Marshall. Uh, he threw it for 270, had a touchdown. But and here's the critical thing that that got Appleby into trouble. He had four interceptions. Two of those were returned for touchdowns. That's why Purdue lost that game. Against Indiana State, uh, 289, four touchdowns, also had 50 rushing yards. You know, that's SCS team. You can discount those stats. But he didn't have any turnovers. It was a good day for him. Uh, Virginia Tech, 9 for 28, 110 yards, two picks. So that lost him the starting position. They went to David Blau against Bowling Green that next week and stuck with Blau until, uh, until he was injured. Um it's I, I think the what I saw between the two, Appleby I think is less accurate than David Blau is, less consistent. Uh he's only fifty five percent on the season where Blau is up above sixty. Uh as far as completion percentage goes, Blau I think is a more dangerous runner. Although uh, you know, neither would be considered um incredibly mobile. They both can move around some. I think you will see occasional Zone read books from Purdue or just straight quarterback runs where they are attempting to get maybe on third and shorts, try to get some, uh, pick up some first downs, or maybe you'll see the quarterback flushed out of the pocket. Appleby's capable of picking up, you know, five, six yards. I don't think he has a run longer than eight on the season, or maybe it's 12. He's not incredibly explosive with his legs, whereas Blau has made some 30 plus yard runs. Um, I think that they're just about equal in terms of arm strength and uh, I think Appleby is very capable of stretching the field um, Yeah, I, I think that the turnovers are something to watch for but Indiana's defense really hasn't been able to take the ball away from their opponent very often here recently so maybe turnovers aren't going to be a concern for Purdue, I know Maryland ended up with a few but those were turnovers on downs and uh, it wasn't a case where Indiana was able to force their quarterback, even though, you know, Cockerell, uh and Rowe both struggled with accuracy. They didn't get any picks. So um, I, I think that the completion percentage is something to watch for. Kind of my target number is what I'm looking for. I think if Indiana can keep Appleby under 300 yards of, you know, meaningful yards, I, I think that could be considered okay i think anything above that you're getting into uh into dangerous territory and then completion percentage wise it's an arbitrary number but i think you want to keep him at or you know very near his season average so somewhere around 55 to 60 percent keep him at or below that and uh i think you'll feel pretty good about about what you've done um running wise i think Mark Hill jones is a little bit scary uh He's Mr. Football in 2014. He's from Columbus East High School. He's a player that uh, the Indiana coaches know a lot about. Um, He's he's a very good running back. He's 5'9", not a real big guy, but he's well built. Uh, He runs very hard. He's been kind of a rare bright spot for Purdue this season.
1: Uh, Yeah, he's a guy who makes me nervous, TJ, is uh, both him and and DJ Knox in the run game, so... Uh, Mark L. Yeah. Jones is, is, is very, very good.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about what you thought. I, you know, Brandon Ross against uh, Maryland, Brandon Ross was kind of the first back that has really had much success, much consistent success. You know, some guys, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, springs to mind as a guy that had a few big runs, but really, Brandon Ross was the first running back that had kind of some consistent success against Indiana's defense. Uh do you think that's a cause for concern as we head into uh head into a game against Markell Jones and DJ Knox in which Purdue will undoubtedly attempt to, you know, kind of ground the ball, keep the ball away from Indiana's offense. I'm sure that'll be their game plan. Uh so are you are you concerned about the run defense or do you think it was kind of a one week fluke? Um I'm a little concerned about the run
1: defense. Uh although it might have been a a one week fluke, uh Maryland does, does run that read option out of a, a traditional option formation, I think. Um you know, it's not quite navy, but they had, you know, guys running across the line of scrimmage and um it, it was uh, one of the more tougher uh runs to defend and you know the safety help wasn't there the guys would crash and he'd he'd run right through the line um yeah i I do think purdue is more of a traditional run team Uh, they'll run it out of you know either the pistol or shotgun um or from under center but they're not an option team and the the option teams are what make me makes me nervous but um you're right uh, markel jones a smaller back i i hope that they can figure it out and stop them. That's, you know, if Martel Jones breaks a couple big runs like Brandon Ross did last week, you know, you can look out. Maybe we'll, you know, Purdue will will be in it. The crowd that's there uh, supporting Purdue will get into it. Um, I don't know numbers or anything like that in terms of percentages of fans. that will be there. I know a lot of IU fans are looking to make the trip. Um, so we'll see, you know, if they could stop the run game, IU, if you can, I, I think making Appleby throw, I know it was last year, but he was not good in the bucket game last year. Um, but, you know, this year's different. They, you know, D'Angelo Yancey is having a bounce back year. He looked very good as a freshman in 2013. Uh, they have some other receivers. Danny up is back and healthy. Uh, so they really are a balanced offense to the point of they can both pass it and, and run it. Now, they are two and nine and they are 1-6 in the Big Ten. So clearly they're not doing everything great at the same time. Um, you know, the, their one Big Ten win was against Nebraska. It was against Nebraska's backup quarterback. Uh, there were five, I believe, five turnovers. Uh, a lot of them gave the ball uh, to Purdue inside of Nebraska, deep inside Nebraska territory. So, you know, we'll see. Um I I am worried about the run game. It's, it's, I wouldn't say keeping me up at night because I'm not game planning against it, but it's something that IU fans must be aware of.
0: Yeah, I think the balance is something that uh, you talk about. Um, Like you said, they're not, they're clearly not a good football team. However, they don't, really have one glaring thing that you can say they are absolutely, you know, mind bogglingly awful at this one thing. Uh like Maryland, you could say they cannot pass the ball. Uh and that yeah, well, at least on offense. The case. Their their run defense is, their run defense the, is no, pretty yeah, yeah, atrocious. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. On offense you can't say that they only have one dimension. Um, yeah, they do have a uh, two dimensions. Neither dimension is great, but neither dimension is horrible either. Um, I think that one thing that I've noticed when I watch them, and I know that their fans kind of echo this sentiment, they don't really have an identity on offense. Um, I think Indiana very much does have an identity. They, they are, you know, what you would consider a explosive team. Um, that plays an up-tempo offense that is very capable of beating you through the air or on the ground, um, I think for those to pay attention, they would know that the identity of Indiana is that the offensive line uh, is able to dictate the game for them. Um, Purdue does not really have an identity on offense. I know that a lot of their fans are ready to kind of send their offensive coordinator, John Shoup, into the sun uh, as early as possible. They're they're not a big fan of what they call the shoop fence, which uh, is predictable play calling, and um, they they have a myriad of complaints against him. But I, I do think the one thing that they do fairly well is that they maintain some semblance of balance. Um, D'Angelo Yancey, you mentioned him. Yeah, he's, he's, he struggled with drops in 2014, Um, he's the leading receiver in terms of targets. He has 84 targets. Second on the team with catches, 41. So that's not not a very good percentage, you know, below 50% as far as uh, targets to catches. But uh, leads the team in receiving yards, uh, 15.6 yards per catch. So I think that what they're going to attempt to do is establish the run with uh, with Jones and then Knox as a change of pace back. He's uh, I don't know what height E J Knox is, but he is not tall. He I you know, the cliche that you would see used is you know, a bowling ball once he gets moving, he's uh just in terms of body five seven. DJ Knox 197.
1: Markel Jones, he makes Markel Jones look like a giant at five foot eleven, two hundred and seven pounds. Um, yeah, also, I don't. Yeah,
0: it's. Yeah. they he's he's a. I'm a short fella, so I am able to say he is a short fella. However, he is much much larger and stronger than I am. Um, he's when I watch DJ Knox, he runs incredibly hard. It looks like he's doing quite a bit of work, but he has just 3.6 yards to carry. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's. He's not all that quick um i don't know if it's he struggles to read the holes i don't know if it's they don't generate holes well enough for him i don't think the offensive line is very good at run blocking um yeah. jones leads that team in rushing uh and he i think another thing i you have to be careful of he's also capable of taking screen passes uh, and turning them into some big plays he has 227 receiving yards on the year not a huge number but he's able to, to make some plays I think they'll take some deep shots off the play action with Yancey and uh look for Dominique Young. Um he has had his best two games of his career in the past two weeks. Had uh over a hundred yards two weeks ago, had fifty two yards last week, and uh the catches that he does make tend to be of the longer variety, just kind of streaks down the sideline, which Indiana's defense we are well aware uh the secondary can be had. So I think that that's what they'll try to do. Establish the run, throw play action over the top. Uh, Danny Anthrop is going to be the guy they go to on third down more often than not with uh, quick slants. Anthrop, I think, is their most sure-handed receiver, um, but he has not had a great season. I, I kind of expected him to, to be more, uh, more effective than he has been this season. He leads the team in catches, but he's averaging like seven yards a catch or something like balanced offense. They're not great at either thing. They're not terrible at either thing. But I think Indiana's goal should be, you know, minimize the damage that Jones and Knox are able to do. You're not going to totally shut them down, but minimize the damage that they're able to do. Don't allow the big runs like we saw against Brandon Ross. You know, get back to what we saw at the earlier part of the Big Ten season, or even just going back to to Michigan. They Michigan was unable to run the ball with the exception of Jake Rudock. So, you know, just eliminate that Maryland game from your mind if you're the run defense, get back to playing how you were. Make Purdue more or less one-dimensional. They're going to try to stick with the run, but make them as one-dimensional as you can and try to force uh try to force some accurate throws, not just big plays because I think that if you force this Purdue defense to have to move down the field, sooner or later I think they're going to make a mistake, whether it's a penalty, um, you know, a drop ball, a a really inaccurate pass, maybe Indiana can get some pressure, Um, I I think that if Indiana can prevent Purdue from getting big plays, I don't think the Purdue offense is going to be effective or disciplined enough to, to move down the field consistently on this IU defense which is not, yeah, you know, I'm not saying the defense is going to be amazing or anything, but I just think Purdue's shown enough propensity to make mistakes that if you can force them to make a lot of, you know, small or medium plays and not give up the big plays, then eventually they're going to shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, and to go along that
1: point, um, you know, if you can hold them to field goal attempts, their field goal kicker, is under fifty percent on the year. He's hit five of eleven. Um, he really hasn't. He hasn't hit any over forty yards as long as thirty-four. So that's really, you know, in their field goal range really isn't. You know, if you hold him out of the red zone, he's not good. Uh, I, I if you're kicking a thirty thirty-nine yard field goal, that that means you're probably at the twenty-two and snapping the ball back to the 29. Uh, so if you can hold him outside of the 22, we'll see where it goes from there. You know, it's it's shocking. I thought Griggs was, was a good kicker in the past, but he's, he's missed uh, from 44, uh, 41, 33, 19, 32, um, and uh, 43. And he missed two short ones, um, two short ones, Oh, I'm sorry, he made the two short ones last week against Iowa, but he's he's missed the nineteen and the thirty two and then he didn't attempt the field goal in uh it looks like four or five straight games, Michigan State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Illinois. Uh so yeah. we'll see where, where they go from there. It's you know, if you can hold him to field goal attempts, you only get three points and he's hitting only forty five and a half percent of his kicks. Um so that's it. That's an area where IU clearly has an advantage uh, with Griffin Oaks. He's been stellar all year. I think he's around 95% on field goals, um, or 90% and uh, 95% on extra points. He's very, very good on kickoffs. Uh, so we'll see. Unless there's a stiff wind, I think they did an awesome job last week against uh, Will Likely and Maryland. Like a really awesome job. I, I did. Hold my breath on that first kickoff when it was short. Um, And and Will likely uh, got to the outside. But, uh, you know, if it comes down to special teams, IU has a clear advantage on that. But you're right. Uh, You know, it's it's trying to take one of those dimensions away from Purdue. Uh, If you stop the run, you know, I think IU fans would be happy to see Appleby throw the ball a little bit more. Um, The weather is – well, it's supposed to be weather um but the weather it, it's now looking like it, it could rain on saturday uh so that that will soften up the field maybe have a slick ball and a slow track uh which should play into the defense's hands maybe um but you know we'll we'll see where it goes from there uh but this is it's a it's a rivalry game you could throw records out out the window um, I know Purdue would love nothing more than to keep IU from that sixth win and bowl eligibility at home, um, and, and get what would be Daryl Hazel's biggest win at at Purdue. I know Nebraska's a nice win, but um, to to win the bucket back after two years of of getting beat in Bloomington, that that'd be Daryl Hazel's biggest win um, at Purdue.
0: Yeah, uh, and you so, could actually build. Yeah, you could build some momentum going to the off season as well. I mean you you just think about the the narrative that could come out of this game. Let's say that Purdue manages to pull off the upset, which it still feels weird for me to say that. Um and I don't entirely accurate. here. But let's say that Purdue could win uh could win this game on Saturday. If they do, you know, you think about the narrative coming out of it is Oh, look at Purdue, you know, they're, they're playing with momentum. They played Iowa tough, they played Northwestern tough, and then they beat Indiana. You know, maybe they're headed in the right direction. And then you've got on the other side, you would have Indiana saying, yeah, they played a lot of top teams competitively and they won their non-conference games and they pounded Maryland. But when it came time to seal the deal, they came up short and, uh, yeah, you know, questions would uh, would really be asked, and it would be beyond frustrating um, to end the season on that note. So, it, it's uh, the narratives that could come out of the game if Purdue were able to uh, to get it done somehow would would be very uh, very frustrating for for me to have to follow because I, I mean we know what this team is capable of doing, and I, I think it, if they play as they're capable of on Saturday, then I I feel like they should be able to come out of there with with the win. Um, One thing I did want to mention about Paul Griggs, you know, they lost confidence in him, or he lost confidence in himself, or both. Uh, It has changed their play calling some as they approach, kind of approach the red zone. Uh, Situations where you might expect to see a field goal attempted, Uh, just keep that in your mind on third down, and uh, because they might be planning on going for it on fourth and uh, you might see you know on third and eight uh maybe a running play instead of a, a passing play or uh i think i don't think it's a matter of being aggressive i just think it's a matter of they have no faith that they're going to make the field goal from you know outside of like 35 yards so they are going to go for it on fourth down. They make up their minds of that on third down, and that changes your play calling. So keep that in mind as you're as you're watching the game if some of the third-down play calls are kind of confusing. But, uh, yeah, I, you're right about this being a rivalry game, throw the records out. And I That's something I know Purdue would love to do is throw the record out because theirs is pretty horrible. Um, I, I think that one of the things that's most interesting to me is, as we move over to the other side of the ball, uh, Indiana's running game against Purdue's running defense. I think that that is, on paper, it's the largest advantage that IU has in this matchup. Uh, yeah, Jordan Howard field goal kicking. Yeah, but that's true, aside from field goal kicking. Um, <laughs> Jordan Howard is, I haven't heard anything. Um, on Jordan his Howard. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that. Yeah, well, well Wilson said on Monday he's
1: been limited in practice. Um you know, I think he said he was he would have been able to come back into to the Maryland game, but they didn't want to risk it. Um it, it is a knee injury uh to his his left knee, I believe. Um yes. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. He's he's officially questionable. Um I I would believe um not doubtful, not probable, just questionable he may or may not play um if i had to make a prediction on him i think he would get limited carries it is the final game of the year uh it is a rivalry game um i think he needs to prove not only to himself but to some of the nfl scouts who will be watching him probably that he can play through a little injury i don't know how major or minor the injury is but he can you know, give it a shot and give it a try because he has missed uh, now almost four games with injury, and that's that's a, a quarter of the season, um, yep. so or a third of the season. So we'll we'll see uh, what happens. I do think he would give it a shot if he. I, I do think he'll be on a pitch count maybe between twelve and fifteen runs. I think that's enough to do a little bit of damage. Uh, I think Devon Redding is good enough. Uh, to run on this uh, Purdue defense, uh, Indiana's offensive line should have a field day. Um, you know, if, if they're playing well, if they're playing like they did against Michigan, uh, like they did in the second half—well, um, not the second, only the second half—but from the second quarter on at, at yeah. Maryland, uh, Indiana should have no problem running the ball with Mike Majette, um and Devine Redding. Now, Majette did to me did not look a hundred percent at Maryland; um, he just lacked that extra um that extra burst that he had shown earlier in the year um I, I did think he got got robbed of a touchdown um but that's a that's another conversation for another day um whether or not replay left, should be
0: he left the game as well right i mean he left uh i, he I left believe because so, it
1: looked like in the it looked like in the second half they went all with um either andrew wilson uh a rod and uh and divine in the, in the second half there. So I don't think he was a hundred percent coming in and, and maybe they limited his carries. Uh, but, you know, this week there's no classes. You get extra treatment uh, for players, uh, for injuries. So, you know, maybe they give it a shot. He, the uh, jet was not on kickoff return. Uh, so that, that on the opening kickoff, when I didn't see him out there, that led me to believe that he, he, he was a little nicked up. They didn't want to expose him to extra hits. Uh, so, but this Indiana running game should uh, be able to 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 have their way with with the uh, Purdue defense that's missing Jawan Bentley, um, and who has struggled against the run. They got torched by Minnesota, and they got torched by Illinois. Um, yep. That those are the two games that stand out uh, in the run game. Uh, now, as far as the passing game goes. Uh Nate Sunfeld I thought was as as good as I've seen him against Maryland. He was putting the ball in places where his receivers can make the catch and and make a run after the catch. Uh he he told us on Monday that his you know, it's his receivers did the hard job. He just threw him the ball. So um you know, you see uh you know, Damon Graham has been not benched, but he's been getting less playing time in favor of Andre Booker at a beautiful uh catch on that fifty nine yard touchdown. I think You know, having some guy who stretch the field deep like Booker uh, does help that offense so much better. It opens up down uh, the middle of the field for Simi Cobbs to make some moves. Um, While Simi's a great receiver, he's not going to stretch the field, uh, you know, like um, like Booker. He can do a a 20-yard route, make a guy miss, and and get another 10 to 15 yards. Uh, Mitchell Page has become a very reliable receiver, so... um, you know, Purdue has I I believe seven interceptions. Um you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh so they do force some turnovers. Uh they actually have twelve uh this year, but between Anthony Brown and Frankie Williams, they have seven. So yeah. you know, Nate Sudfeld, I don't want to say has to be careful, but he has to be aware. They will pick off a few passes and and turnovers change every game. Uh so you know, we'll see. I think as long as the, the weather is dry uh, Nate Sudfeld should be uh, good to go um, performance-wise. Now, it, you know, what's interesting, TJ, uh, is that he's thrown one career pass against Purdue. Uh, in 2013, I, I think he was one for one for 18 yards. Uh that was Trey's big game. Obviously, he missed the 2012 game uh, with an injury, and he missed the 2014 game with an injury. So this is really his first uh, his first taste of the bucket rivalry as a as a full time starter. So, you know he's got to keep his emotions in check. Um, calm da- calm down. If he start overthrowing the ball, that's when turnovers happen. Um, and we yeah. saw it, you know, maybe a little early in the year when he was overthrowing guys uh, and, and was just a little bit off. And that's something that that fans should keep an eye on too. Is is how Nate Sudfeld, who's been even keeled most of the year. Um, he might have been a little fired up coming out against uh, Southern Illinois, which you can't blame him. He hadn't played in, in eight months or nine months, and, and he was ready, rearing up, ready to go. But this is his final regular season game as a senior. You know, it's he wants to leave his mark and his legacy here. He might he's not going to say that, uh, you know, to us in the press or defense, or but this is. You know, his legacy, you know, he is now the all-time leader in touchdown passes for IU. His legacy is getting this team to a bowl game. Now, all these seniors' legacy is that because these are the guys who helped get to this point. And and a lot like 2007, um, this is the next step. This is, you know, you want to be remembered with some of the the better IU teams. This is a game you have to win. Um, Now, you can... Back into a bowl game, probably a five and seven. I haven't heard anything that they're going to take five and seven teams yet. But from from the looks of it, there are a lot of empty vacancies in bowl in the bowl games uh, to be filled. So, you know, keeping his emotions in check is going to be huge.
0: Yes, I 100 percent agree about um, the way that Nate Sudfeld played last week. I thought he was. Um, very, very accurate in his placement of the ball. You were right. He's putting it last week. He put it in the place where his receiver could make a play on the ball nobody else could. Uh, and then once they're able to make that catch, they were able to, you know, break one tackle or not even break a tackle, but he hit him in a place where they were moving uh, upfield. So I, I was really, really pleased with the way he played last week. And what was so impressive was, you fall down twenty-one to three. Your best offensive player, or at least so far this season, Jordan Howard had been the, you know, kind of the most dominant offensive force that you had. Uh, he's on the bench um, with a with the knee injury, and it it really looked like things were unraveling. And Nate Sudfeld just took control. He stepped up. They didn't panic. Um, and they, you know, marched right down. Scored as twenty-one ten. And then he, he hits Andre Booker for a big touchdown. Uh, and before you know it, Indiana's back ahead. And a, a large part of that is the way that Bell played. He threw for almost 400 yards, had five total touchdowns. Uh, it was a dominant performance that uh, that he was right, rightfully uh, rewarded for. And it, it puts him in a position now this week where you, you have a chance to, to play for a bowl game. You're right about the legacy. You know, this is I, – I don't – I'm not going to say, oh, if they you know, if they lose this game, Nate Sudfeld gets remembered as you know just another gunslinger at IU. I I don't know about that. I have no clue how he's going to remember, be remembered. But I know that I will definitely remember Nate Sudfeld um, as a guy that helped get this program to a bowl game. If they get there, like that's not something that any Indiana football fans are going to forget because it is so rare uh for this program to be in that position. So and he's obviously played a huge part in it. Um you know, just looking at the Purdue Purdue defense overall they're sixty seventh in the S and P plus rankings. Um, you know, it's it's not, not bad. Um if you kinda of look at the competition they're playing against, you know, they're primarily playing uh Big Ten West opponents that do not have great offenses for the most part. Um and then, you know, their run defense, uh, they got, let's see, 174 yards last week by Iowa, 250 by Northwestern before that, uh, 382 by Illinois, which is just uh, a total outlier for Illinois' season. Um, they have not been able to run the ball that even close to that well against anyone else. And then Minnesota, 326. Uh, again, Minnesota hasn't run the ball that well against anybody else. So... The uh, the opportunity's going to be there like you said for the offensive line to have a field day. Uh it's it's I think it's going to be really really critical for for them to set the tone very very early and by them I mean the Hoosiers. Um you cannot dig yourself a 21 to 3 hole. Uh again, you just I mean you last week they were able to dig out of it very very quickly and that was impressive, but Cannot put yourself in that position again. So setting the tone early uh, is going to be important. You know they don't need to jump out to some big lead, although that would be extremely nice. void uh, falling behind and relying on a good third quarter, as they have so often this season. Played really well in the third quarter. They they just can't put themselves into position to rely on that with so much on the line.
1: Yeah, you're you're exactly right. It's a whole different animal if you fall behind in this game. Uh, you know the the Purdue fans who are going to be there will be be loud. Um, there there there's going to be more atmosphere at this game than there was at Maryland. Heck, there was more atmosphere on the moon uh, than there was at Maryland last week. So, um, you know, so it 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 was really it was like walking into a ghost town, walking up to the stadium uh, at Maryland. So, you know, Indiana's got to be you know you got to bring your own energy a little bit. You got to trust the system. Uh, And you cannot fall behind. If you know, I I was talking to Matt Weaver uh, earlier this week, and and we were talking about um, what does IU do if you win the toss? A lot of times, you you see coaches defer. I I think we agreed that IU should take the ball on offense, move it down, and, and score a touchdown. Which is where you saw the Maryland game change was IU got the ball, they went down the field fairly easily. Uh And then settled for three, and that kind of changed the tone of the game where if they scored a touchdown there, maybe they don't fall behind twenty one three or twenty one seven um but you know if you go down and you know produce you know we we've said they've I've said they they've kind of quit a little bit in the past, which they have, but this year seems like this team has bought in a little bit more uh they they'll play hard to the end. Um, so, you know, going down, getting that first touchdown, and then getting a stop on defenses is going to be huge. Then you get all the momentum, the IU fans who are going to make the trip up or will be into it, and, you know, the Purdue fans, we've seen a lot at IU, are going to have the, uh-oh, here we go again,
0: um,
1: you know, right. mentality maybe.
0: Yeah, I think, the, I think the, the mindset of both fan bases is, is pretty similar at this point. Um you know, Purdue was in a different spot, you know, a decade ago. But um, I think at this point, the mindset of both fan bases is, you know, it's pretty fragile. Um, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I know for myself, it's kind of a, more often than not, um, it's kind of a sense of when is something going to go wrong? Uh, when is that other shoe going to drop? And um, I guess you could say it's a fatalist uh, fatalist mindset. You know, I I don't I don't go into every IU game thinking IU's going to lose. That's not what I'm saying. But you know, you go in with a sense of during the course of a game, kind of plays like a you know a third and twelve where IU is playing well. That you know you're watching the play like how are, how is the defense going to let up a play here? Like what what wrong is going to happen? And you're surprised. Yeah, which which is, is, you know,
1: everybody, TJ, you're you're exactly right in that mentality. You saw it last week on Twitter. I know you're not a a big tweeter, but, you know, looking at Twitter, when they were down 21-3, people are like, here we go again. You saw these, uh, you saw the uh, Fire Wilson, this program's dumpster fire, Get you know, get rid of everybody. And then all of a sudden it all disappeared when they came back. So, you know, it, it's yeah. definitely there. It's the here-we-go-again mentality, and you're right. On third and 20, you're thinking, great, they're going to get 20-and-a-half yards, 19-and-a-half yards, they'll spot the ball a little bit better for them, and, and it'll be a first down, sure. um, right. which is, you know, hopefully doesn't get in the players' heads either. And and you're right, it is the battle of the uh-ohs um, for, for yeah, both fan yeah, bases. I think, so,
0: yeah, you're right. Did both fan bases kind of feel that way so you know, if you can put that nervous energy into the stadium first, I don't know how much impact it has, but I know that momentum is is a very a very real thing. That if you get it going positively forward, you can build on it. Um, and I, I just I think it's going to be important in a rivalry game to. Number one, manage the emotions either way. I mean you can't get too high or too low with anything that happens in it um you know like you said with Sudfeld earlier in the season, maybe being a little bit too amped up, overthrowing the ball a little bit, sailing receivers uh you know you can't you can't do that, so you can't be too high, but you also can't panic. Uh, we saw that last week i u did not panic when they fell behind. a lot of the fans did i was I was really, really frustrated with the way they started that game uh, just because the one constant had been, uh, you know, shutting down or at least minimizing running backs. And, you know, we knew that Maryland couldn't throw the ball and, you know, they'd break off two big runs in the first quarter. And I was just so frustrated by that because it seemed like it would be a season where it just, it just doesn't click like everything doesn't click all at once um but
1: yeah. and you
0: know, they were able to they were able to to rebound as a team they were able to stay together um and very quickly put themselves back into a you know, positive position it wasn't like they you know slowly came back no they they came back very very quickly showed they could do it but you can't make a habit of it and i think i think we're on the same page there that this it's it's not going to make or break this game, like who scores first. Um, but if one team can get off to a very good start, uh, that positive momentum, positive energy, whatever you want to call it, uh, can really snowball in a game like this. Yeah, and it's not really who scores first,
1: it's almost who scores second. Uh, TJ, uh, like in hockey, it's always that second goal that's important. It's whether you start out at 2 nothing, or it's 1-1, or if it's, you know, ten nothing, or 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 seven seven, or seven three, or fourteen nothing. So, I mean, it's a big difference between fourteen nothing and 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 seven um, yeah. three to start off that game. And and maybe if fourteen nothing, one team starts to waver a little bit. Uh, but let's let's get into to some of the other games. There are other games uh, around the Big Ten, some big ones as oh, well. Yeah. Um, you know, but the, the bucket game is very important. This is probably the biggest bucket game since 07. It is. There's no question about that. Um, So, you know, we'll see. I'm excited. I I think the fan base is excited and fired up. I hate the fact that it's on Thanksgiving weekend. I wish the students would be there. Um, You know, I think it takes a little air air out of the balloon uh, in terms of atmosphere. Um, Plus, you know, these are two schools that are struggling to get students in the seats. And this rivalry goes back to 1925. Uh, it's part of college football. That's are these trophy games, and maybe the students who are not there, who are home with their families, um, don't really get the taste of that, and and that keeps them, you know, from going to games in the future. Uh, so I, I really wish that they would move this game. I, I, it should always be at the end of the season, but move the end of the season up a week uh, so students are on campus, there's an atmosphere, uh, and students for both schools appreciate the rivalry as much as uh, some of us who have, um, you know, grown up with it in Indiana or were lucky enough to go to, to school at, at one of these schools while they were playing the week before Thanksgiving uh you know the weekend before you went home and, and it was mm-hmm. on campus, and it was a big deal
0: yes i um, yeah i don't but, I don't disagree with any of that i'm uh you know it, it will affect will um, affect Purdue's turnout more obviously to the home team this week um but yeah, moving forward, that's something that I think does need to be uh does need to be considered or taken into consideration. I know that I know the reasoning behind it is you don't want to have that layoff um, for the college football playoff considerations. You don't want to have your teams not getting a chance to impress the committee uh, on one of the last weekends of the season. I I get that part of it. You don't want to have the layoff for the title game. I get that part of it, but there, there are ways around that for sure. Yeah,
1: and especially now that you do have a Big Ten title game, You know, and maybe in order to get a better product or better game, you have a week off and you play that game. You know, you push the season up instead of having two bye weeks. I mean, they started the season a week later this year. Maybe you push it back to August, that last weekend in August, and, um, you know, move it up to where, you know, the season does end the weekend before Thanksgiving like it it should. Um, Anyway, TJ, quickly going around the Big Ten – uh, we have a Big Ten game on uh, Friday. Uh, it's the the yep. Heroes game, I believe. They they had a whole big sure, thing sure. on Big Ten Network today. Um, so I think it's the Freedom Trophy or so, so, some make believe trophy that they do play for. Um, yeah. Iowa and Nebraska. They had a big pregame uh, show on it. This is a monster game for Iowa, who found themselves in the college football playoff um, at number four last uh, on. Uh, Yeah, last night on Tuesday. Uh, It's at Nebraska. This is, you know, another one where Nebraska's having a disappointing season. A win would get them bowl eligible. uh, But there's more on the line for Iowa here.
0: Yeah, it's a a dream season for the Iowa Hawkeye fans. Um, You know, I I don't know any, but For, for the, at least in my life, the fictional Iowa fans out there that are in my head, um, I'm happy for you. Uh, it's it's not often that you have a season like this. You just come out of nowhere and you just keep rising up the rankings. You keep winning games. Nobody's quite sure exactly how good you are, but you just keep winning and now you've got yourself in a position where you win this week, you win next week in the Big Ten title game, and what do you know? You're playing for a, a national title in the college football playoffs. So but yeah, I, it's I pretty
1: amazing. I think we all picked Iowa's, you know. Yeah. We
0: all picked Iowa as our
1: playoff team of the Big 10. So, Yep, sure. Um, Definitely did. We did. Yeah. Yeah, we'll uh, you know, we could go back and edit those picks. That's a, <laughs> yeah, the great thing about having night. computers. We could go back and change them and uh
0: and
1: we and, and we'll see. Yep, ne- next up we're gonna talk about um the game. Uh it's Ohio State and Michigan. Uh oh, it's kind of lost its luster uh, when Ohio State laid an egg against Mi- uh, Michigan State, and credit Michigan State. They played outstanding defense. Uh, they took care yep. of the ball on offense with uh, backup quarterbacks, uh, and uh, I think Grigson, the kicker, had an aw- a great kick at the end of the game and then had 22 arm windmills and was running around like a crazy man, like should. Um, yeah. But this game, you know, it's uh, – Got some Big Ten title uh, game implications. Uh, the, the bigger game comes later in Michigan State, Penn State. But uh, the winner of this, uh, if Michigan State does uh, falter, would take the place in, in of the East in, in the Big Ten title game in Indianapolis.
0: Yeah, you know it was surprising when uh, when the announcements, the assignments came out. This was given the uh, the Duke slot on ABC, while Michigan State, Penn State gets the the three thirty, but that makes total sense. Um, Yeah, usually the Ohio State Michigan game is at is at noon when they
1: play up at Michigan. Oh, it is. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. um, So, so it's it's nice to see some traditions last in college football. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I think. Well, I'll spell out for those that aren't aware. I'll spell out the uh, Big title game scenarios. If Michigan State wins, they are the Big Ten East champion. They play Iowa uh, in Indianapolis for the Big Ten title. Uh, if Michigan State loses to Penn State, then the winner of this game between Michigan and Ohio State would be the Big Ten East champion and uh, play Iowa. So uh, pretty straightforward, but all three teams are still alive. Michigan State in control of their own destiny. Michigan and Ohio State needing, uh needing a loss by the Spartans. So it's
1: yeah uh, that's
0: interesting. I think the I think the bigger thing really for these two schools, I don't I really don't think that very many of their fans are expecting Michigan State to lose to Penn State. I think the bigger thing is uh this is the first matchup between Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh and I think Ohio State fans are you know uh, let's just say they don't deal with losing very well. Um you know if you uh, that's that's for sure. Yeah, I mean there, there were there were, and I I get it. Every fan base has nuts. I'm not saying that the majority of Ohio State fans were were this angry about the game against Michigan State, but there were quite a few Ohio State alleged Ohio State fans on their fan sites or on Twitter um, saying that Urban Meyer was an idiot and calling was was just beyond atrocious, which granted, I thought the play calling was incredibly confusing and really conservative, but they they were really attacking uh, Urban Meyer and his entire coaching staff and questioning their competence and wondering uh, whether or not Ohio State would ever be great again and, I, I mean, just some ridiculous stuff that after one loss, but you know, losing really brings out lot of stink and winning covers it up so um it's yeah we'll see how they this, bounce back it, exactly uh, we'll, we'll yeah this, i was just gonna say it's the uh, the first adversity that this you know they lost to virginia tech last year but the first adversity that this this group has faced in what 15 16 months i mean and, and we saw after the game, uh, Ezekiel Elliott declared he was going pro, uh, which everybody knew was going to happen, but the timing of it was, was odd. Um, and, you know, complained about the lack of touches for himself. And uh, Cardell Jones uh, apparently announced he was going pro as well. Um, I'm not entirely sure what he's done to show he's ready for that, but that's, that's cool. going to be a very interesting... Interesting game. Yes, the two head coaches are very interesting uh and they're that's gonna be a rivalry for as long as those two are are around, um, that's gonna draw national attention. But you know, the stakes on the field are, are very real. Uh like you said, the big ten is still out there. I think it's more likely that these two are battling for, you know, bull pecking order. Uh the loser drops down another slot in the pecking order, the winner you know, goes up a slot in the pecking order, uh, it's still very unclear how all that's going to shake out. You know, which Big Ten teams can end up in the Rose Bowl depends largely on how the College Football Playoff Selection Committee makes its choices. Uh, and then, you know, who goes to the Citrus Bowl, who goes to the Outback Bowl, uh, all that, which I I, I know a lot of people don't care about those games, but I get a real kick out of it.
1: That's um, yeah, so still a big uh, deal to
0: me and to a lot of fans, so it's there's a lot on the line in this game, more than just you know the rivalry, but the, the rivalry itself is more than
1: enough. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and moving on, uh, we'll go from Michigan, Ohio State to another barn burner of Rutgers, Maryland. Uh, we'll spend about five Woo! seconds on this game. Um, it was actually a pretty good game last year. I, I think Maryland came out like gangbusters, and, and Rutgers came back, but this game. Uh, is probably a battle for who gets the better coach in the off season. Um since I, I do believe nothing official has come out, but I do believe that Kyle Flood will be out at Rutgers. Uh Randy Edsel is already out at Maryland. Uh so that that game's at noon on on B T N uh but you guys will be watching IU Purdue. Uh but if there's a commercial, you know, flip over. Um and whatever.
0: Or uh or just not uh,
1: watch it all and uh yep. use that commercial time for bathroom break. Uh next up is probably uh, a game everybody will be watching. It's Michigan State, Penn State, uh at three thirty. It's on ESPN. Uh we talked a little bit about this. The winner go or if Michigan State wins, they're in the uh Big Ten championship game and control their own destiny. I believe if they win that game against Iowa, uh they would be in the college football playoff. Again, Looks like it's twenty dollars. Yeah. yeah, it's twenty dollars to get into that one, so um, if you're in the East Lansing area, uh, you know, and, and you like football, it's, it's going to be cold, but it's $20 to get in. Uh, so, uh, go ahead there. It, it's, I think Connor could, the biggest storyline is probably besides, uh, the big 10 championship game is, is Connor Cook going to play? I've heard yeah. nothing. Um, so it, it's a game that we'll have on in the press box, uh, you know, while we're uh finishing up our bucket recap uh and then we'll move on to to the axe uh the axe game uh Wisconsin and Minnesota it's not as uh big as it was last year uh where and they were playing for a berth in the Big 10 title game uh but it it's still the oldest rivalry I believe in in the FBS and uh, I heard that that Jerry Kill will be back uh at the stadium for Minnesota so it's good to see him back and and maybe that that rallies the troops to to win the Axe for I think the first time in 11 years.
0: That uh you are correct it is the the uh, longest ongoing rivalry uh in the FBS these two teams have been playing each other 124 games. so This will be game number 125. Um it's a it's a really cool series uh two schools that you know, and fan bases that really have a lot in common um they don't like each other but I think that there is like there's more respect uh in this rivalry than there is in the Ohio State uh, Michigan one um a quick word on that on the Penn State Michigan State game you know I, uh, something that I'm interested in seeing is whether or not Penn State is able to uh beat a quality opponent under James Franklin it hasn't happened yet and if they drop this game you know they finished seven and five, and uh, really with no impressive wins. I mean, their their most impressive win of the season. I uh, you have to search for it because you can't say IU because you know the Hoosiers didn't have Howard or Sudfeld. Uh, I mean, they haven't beaten anyone in the Big Ten with their winning record. So, I, I, and they didn't really beat anybody last year either. So it's it's interesting. Uh, they they seem to beat the teams they're supposed to, um, and then you just kind of have to wonder whether or not they're, they're making progress. I know they're recruiting well, but uh, a loss here would, I think, definitely have some Penn State fans thinking throughout the offseason about kind of where they stand um, in the Big Ten and, and whether or not they'll be able to move up uh, the pecking order in this division. that. We'll see. I don't know. That'll be an interesting one. But Wisconsin, Minnesota, yeah, I mean Wisconsin uh they're eight and three, so they're trying to get the nine wins. They have a dreadful offense that I if they scratch out another ten win season with this offense, I don't know what to say. I mean, I d I don't know if they'll ever not win ten games because it's hard to envision the offense being worse than it is this season for them. Minnesota, another team at five and six trying to get the bowl game. Yeah, and and
1: finally, our our final game to go over is Illinois uh, versus Northwestern. They play for the Land of Lincoln Trophy. Um, So, you know, we'll see. Uh, It's on ESPNU. That game is being played at Soldier Field. This is my big fear for for college football rivalries, is that they're going to have to move these games off campus in order to get people in the stands. Uh, They moved it to Chicago. Um, Just, you know, whatever a short drive for Northwestern. a lot of Illinois alumni in the Chicagoland area. Um and 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 uh we'll see. Uh Northwestern is going for ten wins this season. Uh they're sure. nine and two. Uh it, it's amazing. Uh you know it's um, it's yeah. really amazing yeah. that they've gotten to, to ten wins. Uh it's great for Fitz in that program. Illinois uh, is sitting at five and six. A win would push them to bowl eligibility, uh, which would be a, a quite the achievement for them after everything that's happened uh, this season, uh, you know, firing the coach a week before the season started uh, the AD getting fired mid season, all these allegations. Uh, so, you know, kudos to Bill Cubit. I don't know if he's going to get that job in the long run. I just, I don't, it, you know, he's a good enough coach, uh, but it, it's, can he build a program? Is he? Uh, do they want to go into a, a different direction with a younger guy? Uh, but, you know, kudos to them. I do think Northwestern uh, does win this, gets to 10 wins. Uh, they are, I mean, they're not the home team, but they have the short ride from Evanston. Uh, they don't have to stay. I mean, they'll stay in their normal hotel for home games probably, and there'll be, uh, you know, a lot of Northwestern fans there as well.
0: Yeah, uh, they, they claim to be Chicago's Big Ten team, so playing in Chicago should be pretty easy for them. I know Pat Fitzgerald came out and said uh, said something like, we love we love that Illinois did this. It helps us stick to our normal routine and make sure we're always home for Thanksgiving. So, uh, clearly, Illinois um, doesn't mind conveniencing Northwestern, and uh, it is a concern that more games will go this way, and that's too bad it kind of washes out the atmosphere in a lot of cases um yeah, yeah I agree, it, it, probably gonna win this one and get 10 wins somehow i don't i don't know it'll be interesting to see how some of these uh some of these big 10 west teams like them and uh wisconsin how they do in a bowl game against a big opponent, uh maybe an sec matchup or something like that I, i'll be interested to see how that goes that's one of the cool things about bowl season
1: Yep. I And, TJ, time flies when you're having fun. Uh, we are um, out of time. We're talking uh, Old Oak and Bucket. Uh, TJ, your primer came out uh, this morning. Uh, it's a great read. Um, it has all the information you need to know, where to find the game on TV, where to find it on the radio. Uh, TJ, thanks for joining us today, uh, taking time out of your day job. Uh, Anyway, have a happy Thanksgiving, um, and uh, enjoy uh, the last week of regular season college football. Absolutely. Same to you. Have a good week, everyone. All right. uh, Will, we're going to be signing off. Hoosier Nation, have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy your time with your family. Um, If you're going to the game on Saturday, tailgate, be loud. Enjoy the atmosphere. This hasn't happened in... Uh, Eight years now, uh, a bucket game for a bowl for IU. Uh, Keep with Hoosier Huddle. We'll have lots of uh, content coming out uh, tomorrow and Friday uh, in preparation for Saturday. The game is at noon. It's on Big Ten Network. If you're not going, uh, watch it on TV. Stick with us and uh, have a happy Thanksgiving.